You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger. Traveling through this world of woe There is no sickness, no toil, nor danger In that bright land to which I go Welcome to Cinema Geekly's Last of Us podcast. It's Anthony and Aurora. This is Clickerbait. And it has finally arrived. It is time to talk about the season one finale, episode nine. It's called Look for the Light. And this, for me, it lived up to expectations. But I've had a lot of realizations watching this. You did? Okay. Yes, but not like nothing bad. Mm-hmm. But certainly there's been a sort of, and I guess we'll get to it, but there's been sort of like a, I don't know, like an itch, like one of those, like one of those itches you can't quite scratch. Okay. And okay. I was, I've had it almost throughout the show and mm-hmm. I finally landed on what it is. And it's a really obvious thing too, but, and it's nothing particularly bad about the show or anything like that. It's basically just a, a gamer bias, I think coming into it. So mm-hmm. yeah, but we'll talk about it when we, uh, well, when we talk about the episode, but first let's begin by talking about what happened in it. So we start in a flashback where we see Ellie's mother, Anna, she's bitten by an infected as she's giving birth to Ellie She is found by Marlene, who hesitantly takes Ellie and kills Anna at Anna's request. In the present, Joel and Ellie reach the hospital, where Firefly soldiers capture Ellie and knock Joel unconscious. After Joel awakens in the hospital, Marlene is there and explains that the doctors are prepping Ellie for surgery in order to produce a cure, because they believe they have found what... Uh, is keeping her from being infected, but the Mm -hmm. procedure will kill her. Marlene orders Joel to be taken away. However, he fights back and kills almost every soldier that is in his way all the way up to uh, making it into the uh, surgical bay where he kills the lead surgeon and Joel finds Ellie and leaves the hospital. Marlene intercepts them in the parking garage stating that there is still time to find a cure, but Joel shoots and kills Marlene as well. And when Ellie wakes up in the back of the truck, Joel lies and tells her that the Fireflies had found other immune people and were unable to create a cure. As they hike to Jackson, Ellie expresses survivor guilt and insists that Joel swear that his story about the Fireflies is true. He does swear that it is true, and a very reluctant Ellie decides to believe him. Mm. So that is where we leave season one. It is where the game left off as well in 
the uh, the post episode behind the scenes and in the companion podcast from HBO, they talked about how this is practically shot for shot, word for word, the end of the game yep. because Craig Mazin said endings matter and mm. the ending of the game was perfect and you don't need to change Agreed. anything. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. You don't need to change a thing. So, uh, what do you actually, you know what? I was going to say, what do you think about the episode? Normally, uh, I don't guide the discussion so specifically, mm-hmm. but before we talk about the episode that was based on, you know, the portion of the show that was based on the game, can we first just talk about the cold open to this episode? We need, we need to talk about this. Okay. Uh, because... As someone that recently delivered a baby. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even this think was... about that part. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was extremely triggering for me. <laughs> I bet. Like, um, I'm sure it was really easy for you to be like, okay, I just went through this. Now imagine it's in a dilapidated bedroom in a house that's falling apart and there's not, a zombie trying to only, kill me. Not only that, she starts by running through the woods. Yes. She must be having obviously contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, and she's you know she oh, uh, survival instinct kicks in and you don't care and you just run. But yep. it had to be extremely painful, and then having yep. to fight mm-hmm. one of these monsters while pushing. Like after she kills the monster, the baby's just there. Like yeah. the the the, the, like, the force that she had to make to in the take struggle. This out. Yeah. yeah, it just pushed the baby out, and it was, mm-hmm. it was really, um, it was an amazing scene. Uh, on the other it was hand, also very triggering. On the other <laughs> hand, uh, I think we found a new way to uh, to deliver babies without the need for pain medication. Because I bet she was not thinking about the pain for one no. second while trying to fend yeah. off a, a mushroom zombie. Yeah. So, uh, I think we've discussed now if we could just find a way to incorporate this into real life uh, you know who needs an epidural like you just your life's in danger Seriously. yeah yes, <laughs> yes. What, you've, you've walked away delivering a baby relatively pain free and uh, you feel like a badass and a hero afterwards as well defending yep. your newly born child from a murderous monster so yep. Uh, yep. this is uh, I'm looking forward to this being implemented in child care packages uh, all throughout the country <laughs> Um, this was, um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just, I was going to ask, I'm trying to understand what they tried to, uh, say with this because Mm -hmm. she says when Marlene comes in, she's like, I cut the cord before I was bit. Yeah. So. Which is not true. No, she lied. And I think, by the way, I think this was an excellent tie to later because mm. Marlene I think does not believe her but she chooses to believe her if that makes sense right. like she's right. and this is what Ellie does at the end of the story as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I think what she's trying to say here is that if she was bitten while the umbilical cord was still connected then it's like oh the baby's infected so we have mm-hmm. to kill the baby too um, and whether or not that that's how any of this works, like Anna doesn't know. So she's just trying to be like, look, this, she was separated. She isn't bitten. She wasn't connected to me when I was bitten. 
Although I think it is implied that maybe this is, you know, obviously she was connected when she was bitten. And I right. wonder if there is some sort of implication as to this is why Ellie is immune. Like that's somehow. What I, that's what I thought they were trying to say. Yeah, because yeah. Um, women's bodies are like amazing when it comes to protect, uh, protecting uh, mm-hmm. children in the womb. Like you could have, you know, there's there's all sorts of cases of like women being worried about you know, will my baby get this or like, will this affect it? Right. And it's, there's an yeah, amazing there's amount of things of that you, there's some emotional things that you can't eat while pregnant because yeah. it can affect the baby. So yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, there's an amazing amount of protection happening mm-hmm. as well. Like there are things that could affect the mother that won't affect the baby. Um, right. Because it's, I don't remember if it's something in the amniotic fluid or there's something, there's like a lot of, there's a, a lot of stuff protecting Mm-hmm. The, the baby from harm or disease. Uh, so maybe there's something in there. Uh, but before we jump forward from any of this, uh, it has to be noted. This was an incredibly emotional scene for me as yep. well. Uh, because Ellie's mother is played by Ashley Johnson, who mm-hmm. is the voice of Ellie in The Last of Us. And uh, as was... I was listening to a conversation between the two of them and they talked about how Troy Baker is kind of like the man of a thousand voices. Like he does Joel, but like when Troy Baker talks, he doesn't sound like Joel. Like that's not his voice. Ashley Johnson. That's Ellie is her voice. (laughs) And, uh, she, her voice was, she went like a little more childlike in the first game, but in the second game, Ellie was, you know, 19 or whatever. And she just got to use more of her own real voice and just hearing like the words. And like when she would just be like, you know, pain or like grunts or whatever. And it's like, Holy fuck. Like this is a Mm -hmm. flashback to playing the game. It's Ellie. Like that's Ellie. I am watching Ellie. And That's Ellie giving birth to Ellie. Yes. It's so, it was so amazing. And one of my favorite bits in, in this opening is, I mean, when you, when you birth a baby, one of the first things the baby does is just cry mm-hmm. and cry and cry. And Anna just looks at her and says like, you tell him Ellie, yep. like, oh my God, I was in tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it was amazing it was an amazing moment to see that yeah. and i knew it was coming the whole time like from the trailers it was like oh my god that's ashley johnson oh my god is she gonna be ellie's mom oh my god ellie's gonna like <laughs> give birth to ellie and uh like game ellie gives birth to tv ellie and it was just as amazing as yeah. i had hoped for it was unbelievable it's such mm-hmm. a great performance by her as yes. well. And just, you know, and she, she had said she'd never done like a pregnancy scene before or anything like that. So I don't know how well she captured it in your mind, Aurora, but I mean, it's um, kind of hard to tell because she, she was, you know, going through. Yeah. It, it was a slightly, yeah. Marginally different situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and I love, but I, I I do appreciate that uh, one of the my pet peeves is that when they have like a delivery uh, scene, yeah, 
the baby's always like it's not a newborn so oh yeah you like can a tell two-month-old baby or three-month-old baby yeah you can um, tell they're much bigger yeah yeah but in this in this scene the baby actually looked like a newborn and i appreciated that yeah, yeah. they were um yeah. they had fraternal twins and mm-hmm. the girl baby was actually they said the girl baby was actually the better actor of the two and they're like Aww. which is great because if they had to use the boy more they would have to like digitally paint out his bits uh oh. in order mm-hmm. to because ellie's supposed to be a girl so yeah. um <laughs> i loved uh i loved when they came back uh and like we're still in the flashback after the opening credits when marlene comes and finds her and um like she's still alive um the infection is growing though and she's just cradling ellie and singing to her Mm -hmm. but she also has a knife to her neck in case she starts to turn which is just it's a combination of all the things right it's horrifying but that's the the part that i that i cried because it was i can't i can't imagine going to do something that traumatic yes um and Mm-hmm. Then having to realize yes. that you're di- you're gonna die and you're gonna leave your baby in this yeah. world. Yep. And then uh, getting yeah. to hear Ashley Johnson sing as like in the Ellie yeah. voice to yeah. Ellie, like oh my god, that was god. great. That was a nice touch. And she was singing a uh, uh, an aha song to her, which like all that did is remind me of when Ellie sings aha to Dina in. Mm-hmm the second game. So it just so many, so many full circle things, but then we jump yeah. back to, uh, the present time and, uh, yeah, they are at, they're at the hospital, but it is exactly like in the game where, uh, it's been about like a month since what happened with David mm-hmm. and it's now spring is starting to sprung and Ellie is still quiet, right? She's, had you know she's suffering ptsd or you know whatever it was from the situation with david and she's just not herself and Mm -hmm. their relationship roles between joel and ellie have completely reversed because joel now sees her as his daughter surrogate or whatever and he loves her and there's Mm -hmm. even a moment later when they're talking to one another um well I'm, i'm sure we'll get to it but you know, he's trying to cheer her up. Like she's the chatty one all the time and he's quiet. Mm-hmm. And now she's quiet and he's chatting her up. He's like, look, I found beefaroni and boggle. Right, you want to play right. a game? Or, yeah. you know, he's talking openly about Sarah, like just, you know, Hey, you know, I, I found a guitar. It was all smashed up. But if I find a, a good one, you know, like I, I can teach you how to play. Do you want to learn how to play guitar? And of course I'm getting choked up at that. I'm like, stop reminding me of things I already know about. Um, Okay, so this one part uh, I need to mention before we get to the part that you're very excited about (laughs) is uh, there was a couple of not like, so there's one nod to the game, like when he finally gets her attention, you know, to do the boost up uh, and she goes and I'm like, oh my God, they're finally doing the bit where like they boost like Ellie gets a boost up and she has to get a conveniently placed ladder to like place it yep. down, but she gets distracted by something and she drops it. Like, so, you know, yep. so Joel falls behind her, just like what happens in the game. But, uh, one thing, my favorite nod that they had in this moment 
better than any nod they've had to anything else is that in order to get up to this point, they had to climb a series of pallets. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, they put pallets in the game. Yep. Like yep. you spend so many water like not water levels, but like water moments where you have to carry Ellie on a pallet and so much so that the game makes fun of the mechanic at one point where she's like, I know, I yep. know, get on the fucking pallet. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, they yep. have pallets. Yeah, um, let me say, uh, I don't know if I, I've said this in the in the podcast, but mm-hmm. um, when I played The Last of Us for the first time, yeah. I have a very fond memory of it, mm-hmm. not only because of the experience of playing the game, yeah. but also because my husband is not a gamer at all. Mm-hmm. He does not play video games. Yeah. He does not care for them. <laughs> and yeah. uh, when I started playing The Last of Us, he would sit down next to me and just be on his computer just doing stuff. and. Mm-hmm slowly he would be really interested in what was happening in the game yeah to the point where he would ask me are you gonna play today Um, (laughs) wow because he wanted to sit next to me to watch me play yeah because he liked the story so much it's an Um, enthralling yeah yeah and he watched me play the whole game um has he watched the show no so wow so we would have conversations while I was playing the game about mm-hmm. like the moral of the game and yeah. you know things that would happen. So that added to the experience of me playing the first the game for the first time. Yeah. Um so when I was watching this episode, he walked in the room and it was in that scene that you're describing. Yes. And he just stood there and he was like, That's exactly like the game. Mm-hmm. He remembered too. Aww. He remembered. Yeah, he remembered. He's like, oh, that happened in the game. And I was like, yeah, it does. <laughs> it does happen in the game. <laughs> so after like Joel gets his ladder set up and he chases after, I mean, everyone who's ever played the game knows what's coming, but mm-hmm. they get to this clearing and there's just an opening in this building and sticking its head through is a giraffe uh, because... Well, what players now know, especially if you played chapter two or, you know, part two, is that there was, you know, a zoo in this area or whatever. And mm-hmm. the firefly, the, the, well, what you learn eventually is like the, the lead surgeon, the lead doctor or whatever is also a zoologist or whatever, or an right, animal doctor. Right, so right. he was helping keeping them alive, but they played out the giraffe thing. I was very happy. I mean, actually, I could kind of tell, uh, but. They wanted to confirm it for people that they used a real giraffe for this moment. Oh, my God. Thank you for yes. saying that. Because mm-hmm. my husband was like, yeah, that's a CGI giraffe. And I was like, are you sure? I, I just, feel like it's I, real. I just assumed, right? <laughs> because it's like, you know, where are you going to get a, a giraffe? But it's HBO. And they're like, no, that is a real giraffe. Now, I'm they sure have, they the, have the budget. They have the budget for I, it. I'm sure the second scene <laughs> where it, you see the herd, I'm sure that was... Those received. Oh, that uh, was but CGI. the up, yeah. the up close one, real giraffe That's... that Ellie really fed, and they petted him, and you know she said her so fucking cool line, and then you know people sort of debate about whether this is a happy scene or like a bittersweet scene, or uh, mm. to me, I always viewed it as a happy scene. Like, I mean, I can see how you could see it's bittersweet because it's a very fleeting moment. But it's a very fleeting moment. I feel I, like it's a reminder to Ellie that yeah. not everything is shit. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, there's still there's still things in the world that are still beautiful and pure and nice. 
Right. And, you know, there are still good things. I think it can be a happy scene if you if you're experiencing it for the first time because mm-hmm. when i i experienced this for the first time i was like so like oh like i had so much joy yes. when i saw this and i think it's because as someone playing the game you're also like thrown in this world that's all shitty and all of a sudden you have this beautiful moment that just yes it's such a amazing. break from it's a, a great break yeah. yeah but then you know everything goes to shit mm-hmm. and after when you replay the game and you know watching the show you know what's coming yeah so this scene then becomes a little bit sad because yeah. you know what's next. you know what's about to happen yeah 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 and yeah. if you played part two you know you know even more right. and uh then they had a very easy traverse to the hospital uh <laughs> it's much more difficult in the game you like there's bloaters and clickers and runners yes. everywhere yes. um but they do make it there. Actually, I think they sort of combine a moment from the, I feel like they combine a moment from the university. Um, I think I was going to ask, I think they did. Yeah. yeah. Cause I feel like that moment where like the, uh, the military medical tents and stuff outside, I feel like yeah. that was from the area around like where you run into David's right. men for the first time. I feel like they sort of took that setting and and placed it here but you mm-hmm. know they use that time for joel to openly talk about sarah and got you know he kept trying to feed on ellie's good vibes by you know he's like you know what i could go for right now shitty puns and <laughs> she did some more jokes and he tells her the story about how he got the scar which i don't think is in the game i don't think it is um yeah. he's got this scar on his head and um you know, earlier he tells Ellie in another episode, like, you know, uh, I shot and missed and the other guy he missed too or whatever. But here he admits to Ellie that there was no other guy. It was him. He tried, you know, shortly after Sarah died, he tried to take his own life, but then he flinched at the last minute and he just has a scar there. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know why he flinched because he felt so ready to just let go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we, you know, now we know why, like, uh, you know, now we know why he keeps going. Like he has a reason to keep going. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think he didn't know why until that moment. And he realized Ellie is that reason. Like, this is why I'm still going. And there's this beautiful moment where they don't say, I love you to each other, but they're saying it, Mm -hmm. they're saying it, but they're not saying it. And then obviously things go downhill. They get, uh, cause the fireflies don't know who the, these people are, the guards or whatever. They're not expecting these people. So they get captured. And, um, and then we get a bit more of a thorough description of why Ellie could be the cure. And it is that she has cordyceps it's in her brain, mm-hmm. but there is some sort of masking agent that convinces cordyceps like that she is cordyceps so it doesn't advance at all and if they can remove the cordyceps from her brain they might be able to you know reverse engineer or whatever get the masking agent and give that to everybody else and it would be in effect a cure, like not a vaccine. I, I have seen people right. that are like, you can't have a vaccine for this. And I'm like, I think they're using the colloquial version of vaccine. Like just, 
you know, I don't think they mean are for real vaccine. I think they're mm-hmm. just shorthand for saying they want to find a cure. And I feel like this would be because you can't cure a fungal infection with a vaccine. So, um, but yeah, there is this uh, explanation, but obviously Joel has that realization like cordyceps grows in the brain in order to remove it from her brain. They would have to do significant damage to her brain. It's going to kill her. Mm -hmm. And uh, as Neil Druckmann said, Joel made the easiest decision of his life. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and this is, I've never found this question difficult to wrestle with, even as a parent. Cause you would say like, oh, well, you're a parent. Of course you would say, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you would go through all of this for your child. And I mean, that is true, but also even if I weren't a parent, like I'm not saying I would do exactly what Joel did, but Right. Like in a situation as morally gray and as complicated as this is, because Mm -hmm. you can't, um, this is not, you know, mustache twirling villain. Like we're not talking about a Hitler or Thanos or, you know, something so incredibly clear. Like anyone could make the right choice. Like the whole story of the last of us and the second part is about, we've mentioned it a million times, but it's worth repeating here. It's about the good and the bad things that love will do to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you will do anything for the person that you love. And sometimes that can be a bad thing. Um, I- Craig Mazin uh, told a story about like, he's like, I want everybody to know I didn't act on these thoughts. And they were like a five second, like a five second burst of thoughts. But uh, his daughter when she was a newborn they were like in a car or whatever and some guy on a really loud motorcycle came like zooming by them and it woke up his daughter and she started crying in the back seat and for a few seconds he was pissed Mm -hmm. like he's like in my mind it's like this guy's on a motorcycle and he's going faster than me but eventually this fucker's gonna hit a red light and i'm going to catch up to him and i'm going to kill him like, no, you know, yeah. and then he's like, you know, ultimately, though, like with hindsight, he's like, just for waking up my daughter from sleeping. Yo, like, you get so protective when you're a <laughs> The instinct is insane. Like, yeah. you will not mess with my kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I, somewhat, I'm I hate confrontation. Hate me it. too. Me too. But see, ever since I became a mom, I don't mm. care. Yeah. I will confront you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it has to do with my son. I will confront uh-huh. it's you. O- it's only going to get worse from here. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, like it's because he loves his child so much and well, and mixed with the parental instinct to protect, but mm-hmm. like that was just a fleeting moment. So like Joel doesn't care about saving the rest of the world. Ellie is his rest of the world. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't care if everyone else dies and that's incredibly selfish, Mm -hmm. but love will make you think incredibly selfish things. Yeah. Love will justify it. Yeah. And it's the good and the bad of it. And so I don't come to this quandary with like, you know, this is the right answer. This is the right answer. I think you can say standing outside of it as an objective outsider like who doesn't live on earth, who's never had any of these (laughs) connections, right? Who like, I come from a place where there aren't familial connections or children or whatever. Like you could then probably say objectively, okay, like 
losing one. You know, if we're talking about Spock, Spock was watching this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we know what Spock says, right? right. Um, you know, it's always the, the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few or the one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but when it comes to this sort of thing, you know, it's like Kirk said to Spock. I'm so happy I get to talk about Star Trek here. It's <laughs> like what Kirk said to Spock. The needs of the one outweighed the needs of the many. And mm-hmm. that didn't make sense to Spock, but like that's love sometimes. And yep. while I don't necessarily agree with what Joel did, I understand 100% why he did it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't say I wouldn't do the same in his place. But it is such a fascinating ending because everything seems like it's going so swimmingly and then it goes downhill. Like Joel, who has tried to avoid killing people just starts killing people. Like if you get in his way, he he kills a massacre. Yeah. Yeah. Like people they have, they showed, they specifically showed the guy putting his gun down and backing off and Joel still killed him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Marlene is literally on the floor. Yeah. Uh, wounded. And he's that still, chilling yeah. line, too, where she's like, you know, like, you can still just just leave, just go. And he's like, you just come after her and mm-hmm. shoots like unbelievably cold. And I feel like the thing that they did, especially if they are, in fact, sticking very strongly to the second game's story, which I have a feeling that they will be even if they presented a little bit differently, um, they could not have more perfectly nailed the scene where he walks into the surgical bay and just kills Mm -hmm. the surgeon. And there's a very, I think very deliberate shot of Pedro Pascal after he shoots the surgeon and the look on his face is indifference. Yep. Yep. This was just a person in the way mm-hmm. and it will have severe ramifications going forward severe. spoilers yeah. for the second game <laughs> i'm not going to tell you what those ramifications are but a thing that is so throwaway in that one moment has big repercussions mm-hmm. um and i don't yeah, but you know i i i, I just wanted to say that mm-hmm. um he doesn't kill the nurses though which you no. can do in the game if you want to you can, that's but he, true. But he does not. He doesn't see them as threats or being in the way. And I, I will say right. this without saying literally anything else about the second part of the game. One of the nurses was played by Laura Bailey, which I thought was phenomenal. If you know who Laura Bailey voices in the second game, it is mm-hmm. very appropriate to the scene. And also uh, on Twitter, if you go look at Neil Druckmann's uh, Twitter, Aurora, I know you can't anymore because you've banished yourself from no, Twitter. But uh, maybe he's put it on Instagram. I'm sure he's put it on Instagram as well. Uh, Laura Bailey sent him what can only be described as a very inappropriate picture that she took in uh, uh, in, in that oh, in boy. that shooting location as well with the dead surgeon laying on the floor. Um, <laughs> but let's let's just leave it at that without going into any further depth on it. But I <laughs> thought, uh, you know, and then we get the drive home. Everything is word for word. Um, but it's Joel trying to get back in Ellie's good graces the whole time. He's very open. He feels free, like a weight has been lifted off of him. And she is not sure what to, she doesn't think that Joel's telling her the truth. And Joel lies right to her face. But... You know, what do you do in that situation? Like, 
you know, she's trusted him up to this point mm-hmm. and she does care for him. And, and you know, like we, like we, we said, you know, she, he, he believes in his mind that he did the right thing. So yeah. he has no issue lying to her because as a parent, he feels like he yeah. made the right decision for yep. the both of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, any final thoughts, Aurora? On well, I was going to say that this, um, this ending, I, I can see someone that has not played the game watching this ending and being really shocked. Yeah. Um, and I was shocked when I played the game for the first time. Oh, yeah, me too. I did not expect this ending at all. Mm-hmm. But this ending is what makes The Last of Us, for me, a, a unique game. Because... Mm-hmm. Most games will have a good ending or a bad ending. Yeah. This yep. game has an open-ended ending. Oh, yeah. Um, and going back to what I was saying that I, I watched, I played this game for the first time. Well, my husband watched me play it. Um, when all this happened, we had like hour-long discussion mm-hmm. on this ending and, you know, trying to understand yeah. <laughs> what just happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, you... you have these conversations about oh wait did he do the right thing did he what is he now like a bad guy right um and i I, just the fact that a game could make you think all of that and have that conversation it i think it's just amazing so i think that that's what makes the last of us such a good game agreed a testament to their storytelling Yep. For sure. And yeah, people have been arguing about it forever. Uh, my, my stance has always just tried to be, because I take into context of the situation, like, I know Joel. I know what he's mm-hmm. been through. Like, I know what he's thinking, even if he can't say it out loud. Like, I know what's right. happening deep down inside. I'm taking into context the world that they live in and mm-hmm. how he's lived his life for 20 years and how everyone else has lived their life for 20 years. And... um. You know, there's all this added context to it and all I can do. It's like, I feel like I'm in no position to judge. I'm only in a position to try to understand and like, I understand what he did. And it's probably why I had such an, not an easy, I'm, you know, not going to go into again, reminder, not going into what happens in part two. Um, but, um, I had as easy as possible a time, um, basically sort of understanding what happens to him in the second game and, and understanding the motivations of other people. So like all of those things were like, um, not, they weren't fun, but like I could understand like, and I feel like that's the best approach. Like, I don't yeah. know if this is a winnable, I don't know if there's an objective truth to it. There's no, there's no clear line as yeah. to, you know, who is good and bad in this world Yeah, uh, that the game created. And when they announced that they were going to release The Last of Us 2, I was like, I don't know if they're going to be able to like recreate that mm-hmm. uh, ethical, you know, yeah. uh, dilemma that Mm -hmm. you are left with and they did it so (laughs) yeah i i'm i'm not i'm not sure how they're going to so they've they've talked about this uh an extra amount uh for season two and there's a lot of things that they've made clear and that uh one thing is that bella is sticking around for the second season 
Mm-hmm. They're like, the only way she leaves this show is if she says she doesn't want to do it anymore. So, uh, and I think that's a good idea. Like, I do understand where some people are coming from because she's already like 19, I think, mm-hmm. but playing a 14 year old, but she's small and there is some sort of like, there's definitely like character model growth between the first game and the second game. Yep. And I don't know how much taller Bella Ramsey is going to get between now and when they start <laughs> filming the next season. And like, all I keep thinking of is like, Oh my God, whoever they find for Abby is just going to rip poor Ellie to shreds. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> I'm is going to have to start working. Out. I know I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> um, but, uh, like that's the thing that they've made clear. They've reiterated again that they don't think that they can make the second game in just one season. So it might get spread. Yeah. It's too long. (laughs) It might get spread into a two seasons worth of show. And, uh, they have talked about how I think they're going to include more infected. So this is like one of the, this is one of the two things I wanted to talk about that I thought were, well, one is a thing that I just think I, I think the show could have used with more infected, I understand yeah. why they didn't do it as much. I think they leaned a little too hard onto the idea of, well, it's not about the infected. It's about the relationships and the people, which true, mm-hmm. but there were just lots of episodes where it was just like, you you get like one runner if you're lucky right. or whatever. Like now, obviously we did get that one episode where there was just a horde of everything and it was awesome and amazing. And you can't do that every episode cause then it wouldn't be special, but mm-hmm they really didn't run into a lot of trouble. Um, right. At least not through the infected. And I feel like there will yeah. be more in the second season. Yeah. And it felt, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying that they have to add a lot, but mm-hmm. like, for example, in this episode, when they're going through uh, getting to the, uh, to the fireflies, like you said, in the game, it's really tense and you're fighting it's a lot of so difficult. Uh, zombies and clickers. Yep. And here it was just a stroll in the park. And I yeah. was like, well, they could have added like a little bit of, you know, danger. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, there's so many things that you have in the game that they didn't have here, like no smoke bombs and no nail bombs right, and like right. nothing like that. Like in those tunnels, there's two bloaters in that tunnel. Yeah. And then clickers and also runners. And it's like, oh my God. And then this show, like one bloater is presented as like unstoppable, like nothing takes it down. So, uh, like I get, I get why, but I think that we're going to get more in the second season. The other thing that was bothering me, and it's not even the show's fault. It's, I was telling you before, I think it's my gamer bias. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I finally, it's such an obvious answer, but I wasn't thinking about it until now. But I noticed it very clearly in this episode, but I've felt it in all the other episodes as well. And it's like, this went by so quick. Mm. Like, why mm-hmm. is it so fast? Yep. And then it dawned on me. It's like, well, because stupid, you've played this game like mm-hmm. many times now. You know this story inside and out, so you know what's going to be happening more or less and when it's going to be happening. Uh, but the thing that's missing is like now you're not spending, you know, you're going from one cutscene to the next cutscene and you're not spending yep. 30 minutes crouched behind a, a box, <laughs> like trying to sneak up on a clicker. And right. like, this is why the story feels a lot longer because the yeah, game you, is you're longer. Not, you're not spending an hour dying yeah. to a bloater over and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I, uh, I didn't die in the gymnasium three times 
and <laughs> like this is <laughs> i kind of just forgot that that exists and it's mm-hmm. like yeah and i mean worse yet is that we've talked about it on almost every episode of the podcast is that they've had to they remove the gameplay elements from the show because this is a tv show not a video game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um in my mind it's like this feels like it should have taken longer to get from here to here but <laughs> like you know i'm completely forgetting like how hard that game can be to play and it can yeah. take a while to get through uh, combat levels and things like that. So, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in some ways it felt rushed, but then when I think about it, I'm like, but it didn't like they hit no, everything. No. They it hit did. every beat. The story played out to perfection. It was, you know, I like at the beginning of this episode, they did a previously on where they recapped everything. And I'm like, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. A lot has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like it went by so quick because, you know, we got nine hours of TV or whatever, roughly. But like the game, you know, you've got several extra hours tacked onto that because of the the gameplay uh, elements. So, uh, yeah, it was nothing against the show. I, I at first I thought it was a detriment. But then when I thought about it more, it's like, no, you dummy. It's just because you played the game and it takes longer to play through a game <laughs> than it takes to sit and watch a show and yeah at the end of the day this uh i (laughs) i feel sorry for uh the people that are working on like the god of war show and because you know they got to be watching yeah the bar has been set really high yes and i know some people have been going to bat for some of the animated shows like there's a cyberpunk animated show that people think is really great and a show based on arcane that people think are really good and i think the castlevania animated series people say are really good so i'm not gonna say i've not watched those shows so i can't say for sure this is the best adaptation of all time but for live action this is the best adaptation i have ever seen oh yeah and uh some of the best moments for me have been reading um responses from people who have only been watching the show never played the game and they are like that's how i know the barometer is good because those people are like enthralled in this and it's shown in the viewership increases like it's increased every episode and just and i love i love the idea i love the idea of a show making people want to play a game yes (laughs) yes and i i I actually i actually know this i i know a person who got a ps5 and got this game because they were watching the show Mm -hmm. and they're like i want to play the game and i was like have like the most fun i mean you know, like experiencing the game, like the game's not fun. Like it's going to be, it's going to be sad (laughs) and it's going to be awful. And in some ways there are worse things that happen in the game than happened in the show. Oh yeah. But, oh my God, it's such a fun game to play. Like I should be thinking about what I'm going to play next, but instead I, in the back of my mind, it's like, well, you've only played last of us part one remake only one time. Only one. Technically you've played the last of us, a bunch of times but this remake you've only played that once so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe it's time for it like i've already put in like a hundred hours on last of us part two uh from replays of that game and 
yeah. <laughs> uh, look, yeah. I haven't hundred percent of the Last of Us Part One yet, Aurora. So I need to get. No, that. that's that's my goal now. I'm yeah. getting that platinum trophy. Yeah. Uh, I still have no idea how I'm missing so many of the collectibles. Uh, I feel like I search every area I'm in and I still <laughs> miss them. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. So anyway, uh, what would you what would you give? The finale oh, episode of season one. Perfect score. Yeah, it's a perfect five. score. Yeah, yeah, it's a five. Uh, just excellent. I think the average probably. I bet the average for this show, if we averaged all the scores together, would be at least a four and a half or four and three quarter oh, yeah. average. Yeah. Yes. Um, we never went below a four and a half. I think for an episode and multiple fives for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, this is how it's done. They just they just did it. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm Jeff Goldblum in the back of a truck in Jurassic Park, <laughs> whispering to myself under my breath, "You son of a bitch, you did it!" <laughs> uh, like this is I can't believe this happened. It but is. But you know, I'm so happy. I, I I want to make sure to to share that this is what happens when you take the source material that's already perfect and you yeah. don't mess with it too much. Yeah. Yeah. It was already good. Mm-hmm. And they realize that. So this is yeah. everything. In some ways, it makes me more sad about the Uncharted movie. I know you still. Mm-hmm. I know you liked it, Aurora. But <laughs> like, it, I mean, I like. It wasn't perfect, but I had fun watching yeah. it. <laughs> like, it could have been like, it could have been Uncharted two, or it, it could have like they could yeah. have just straight up adapted one of those games had they wanted to. And I'm not saying they should have, but like it just this had every element of The Last of Us. It just so happened mm-hmm. that they also very closely followed the plot and story of the game. And right. that made it even better in some ways. I will say like there's minor detriments, like there are some things that happened that weren't surprises to me because mm-hmm. I already knew about them like ahead of time. So I already knew where we were going. But I loved that they did the Joel murder rampage. And I believe I looked over at my daughter, like when the soldiers were like escorting him out. And I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are about to run into video game Joel because like (laughs) he has not been video game Joel throughout the show. Mm -hmm. But if there was a time for him to become video game Joel, and by that, I mean the character you play that just kills everything in its path for the whole game. Like it was about to happen here and it did. And I love the way that they did it in a montage where mm-hmm. there's music playing and all of the gunfire is just muffled and muted because it's just a tornado it's just, of it's just death. Yeah, death and emotion and violence and um yeah, it was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. Just I don't know yep. what else to say. Uh mm-hmm. except that I am very, 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 very excited to see part two. Uh because The Last of Us Part One is my second favorite game of all time. But The Last of Us Part Two is my favorite game of all time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not worried about the quality. They're going to handle it deftly because they did it here. But I just right. cannot wait to see it adapted. And I mean, in some ways I can wait. Let's be honest. In some ways I can wait. <laughs> um, but also, uh, I'm here to see if they have, they had the guts Aurora this season to make the bloater a full prosthetic character do they have the gumption to do this for the rat king and i have no idea how they could pull this off but if they want to try i am here for it if you don't want to faith i have faith 
I know I wouldn't blame you for going CG on that thing, but if they wanted to find a way to make some sort of weird prosthetic thing with some puppetry or whatever involved, <laughs> I am here for it. Make that happen. It is one of the grossest things I have ever seen in a video game. I'm so yep. here for it. Uh, anyway, everybody. Oh my God. That's going to look so good. <laughs> I <Okay>. know. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Everybody. That's, uh, that's the podcast for now. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. Of course, as a listener-supported podcast, there are a couple of ways you can support us if you'd like to do that. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merch store, geeklymerch.com. Links for those are in the show notes for this episode. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for clickerbait, two words, and uh, hit subscribe. And that way, you can join us sometime in the future when we will be talking about season two episode one of the last of us on hbo and hbo max i'm just a going over jordan i'm just a going Just a go.